0: 2004 Volkswagen Tureg. Tureg? Tureg? Well, VW, virtually worth a six of one, half a dozen of the other.
1: Lighten up, Francis.
0: The car doctor. This time that fairly simple, straightforward mirror repair became four tires. Because as I was walking around the car, walking up to it, getting ready to do the rearview mirror, I noticed a bulge. That's the fact! Thanks for stopping by the garage. I'm Ron and the car doctor. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And I want to thank you really from the bottom of my heart for joining us each and every hour on the weekend. Because I know you've got a lot of things to do. And uh, sit by and talk to us about your car and its problems. And um, it's just good to get out and talk to the people and see what kind of problems you're having. And, um, you know, just I learn as much, I think, maybe as you do, as I hope you do. And uh, get to talk to you about your car. I want to thank you again. For stopping by, the website for this radio show is cardoctorshow.com. If you get to that, you'll find a couple of different links there, tunein.com, which gives you an affiliate list, iHeart.com, and iTunes for podcasting. And I want to point out, I want to welcome, or I want a sort of preemptive welcome, and just let everybody know if they're out there podcasting this week in New York, we're going to be live, once again, from New York City starting next week, July 25th, and uh, we're going to be live on WRCR at AM 1700 and uh, we're looking forward to the return to New York City after two and a half years in absentia. I feel like we've been banished from the kingdom, and uh, we get to return wearing, uh, well, I wonder if the emperor has no clothes. Tom will explain that to me. So anyway, the phone number heres five 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 i I'm sure Tom's going to have a ball with that one. And uh, before we get to, uh, you know what, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's open things up and, and get going. Let's go over and talk to Herman, Hagerstown, Maryland, 95 Chevy Pickup and uh, see what the story is here. Herman, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Herman, are you there? Herman, on line one. Oh, you know what? Let me go back and read. There was a story I wanted to cover anyway while the the boys are figuring out the board. Always have something handy on radio. It's always good to have noise. Let me get through this. Recent article by a Meredith Cunningham. She titled it, The Car You Have Right Now Could Be the Last You'll Ever Own. And she talks about it. And recently, if you remember in the news, it was a conversation about with GM and some of the other car companies trying to license software that would prevent you from really owning the car. Well, Meredith wrote an article that talks about if you just bought a car and it lasts you for another 20 or 25 years, there's a good chance you'll never buy another. Why? Pair emerging tech like Google's self-driving car with transportation app Uber, and it's looking like no one will need to own a car in about 25 years. I don't know. Is that possible? Is it possible I'll never need to own a car in 25 years? James Cassio, he's a futurist. I wonder what a futurist is. He's a futurist and a senior fellow. I guess he looks to the future. At the Institute for Ethics and Emerging Technology said, it's going to be a cultural shift even more than a technological shift because we have this romantic culture around cars and we're going to look back at that in the same kind of wistful way that we look back at the relationship people had with horses. And I think that's true. I really think a lot of what the, I'll say the older generation, if you're 35, 40 years or older, I think, you're, I think you romanticize about cars. If you're 50 or 60, my God, that was your childhood. You can't imagine a place or a time without that. And it'll be easier for the millennials, as I call them, the kids that understand, that love texting and that are playing with all their electronic gadgets 30 years and younger. Uh, They'll be the ones that'll be, you know, Uberizing and Google self-driving. And to them, cars are not that important. And it makes an interesting statement, this article. Is the car you have right now the last one you'll ever own? And it really makes you think because if cars last 8 to 10 years and you just bought one today and you're in your 60s, you know, maybe you won't need to drive after you're 75 anymore. Maybe Uber is going to come around and take you out and a self-driving car is going to take you out. And you'll just get in the car and say, I want to go eat, take me down to so-and-so. It really makes a strong case that could it be possible? I still think that some of the economic demand hasn't been thought out, and the the impact of what this will look like on the economy, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later this hour. But right now, let's really kick open the garage doors for real. Let's go talk to Herman, Hagerstown, Maryland. Herman, are you there, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Welcome to The Car Doctor. I'm Ron Ananian.
2: All right, I got the '95 Chevrolet pickup with uh, 90,000 miles on it. Right. And when I take it, uh, this all happened last uh, last year, 14, 2000. But uh, I had it out in a cow pasture, hayfield, whatever. And, and it wouldn't hardly i couldn't hardly get back to the house you know, like It only like it's running on three cylinders
0: all right what is this, a straight six or a v eight you know, what is permanent sure what it is, is a six cylinder or an eight
2: six okay and uh so anyway, it did it to me again, but uh, anyway, I made it back to the house on three cylinders, and uh, I never got back in it for a couple of days, so it ran all right. And I never thought any more of it. So a couple of months later, it did the same thing, except if I was stranded because it died. <laughs> I, I I got home, but uh, I had to I had to use the truck. In other words, they had the truck loaded. Right. So I got to the mailbox, and then I had I just turned around and came back, and then I waited a couple of hours, and I got back in, and then it run just. Just like a brand
0: new one. Okay, let me ask you this, Herman. Any, any, happen. Herman. Any warning lights on on the dashboard?
2: No. All right.
0: That's... Do you have an? Do you have an atomizer bottle you can put water in? A little, a little spray bottle. All
2: right. Yeah, I got one. Of those. Okay.
0: Why don't you Why don't you put some Why don't you put some water in that with the engine running? Um, if you're out on a farm, this is probably the simplest way to do it. Put it onto a fine mist and just try to gently mist the ignition, the wires, the distributor cap area. Does the truck start to miss and break down? Does the car, does the truck change the way it runs? It sounds like this is an ignition-related problem. The only thing I can think of being out in fields is if there's any sort of moisture or humidity and the distributor is not venting properly, if there's a, a, a problem with the ignition system in that it's absorbing moisture or... If the inside vent of the distributor is clogged, it could cause a problem and cause cross-firing and misfiring and things like you're describing. So I would would have to tell you the most logical place for my seed here would be to take a very hard look at the ignition system, and the easiest way to do that is with regard to the... Is with regard to the um, ignition system itself, as regard to hitting it with a with a spray bottle. I'll tell you what, Herman. Let me see if I can help your cause. I'm going to send. We're giving away an LMC gift card this hour a $25 gift card and either a hat or a T-shirt. Let me stay on the line. Let me have that sent out to you, and that could possibly either be for this repair or maybe something else you might need for that truck. The folks at LMC Truck are all about trucks, and there's nothing better to send them than a request for a catalog for a 95 Chevy pickup. So stay on the line, and let's uh, let's see what we can do for you here, and uh, we'll see if that gets you on the right track. The phone number is 855-560-9900. I'm running Anany in the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. back. We're on Annie and the Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, if you're looking for information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com, and uh, you'll find things like TuneIn.com, iHeart, and iTunes.com for podcast information. Last year, I think it was last year around this time, it would have been around this time, we had the thrill of talking to Shirley Vane. Shirley is from Boise, Idaho. She is the Go Granny, Go Corvette driver and uh, we were talking to her about the race she was about to enter and uh, do uh, some driving in last year, and we brought her back this year. We thought it would be fun to catch up with Shirley and see just exactly what she's got in mind this year to uh, really go just a little bit faster. Shirley, welcome back to The Car Doctor. How are you today?
3: I'm good, Ron. Nice talking to you.
0: Let's talk a little bit about last year's race. Let's, Let's, for the listeners that might just be tuning in, can you tell us what this event is and what it takes to be part of it?
3: Uh yes, it's a, a major fundraiser for the Blaine County Community Drug Coalition and it's a no speed limit road race, uh one car at a time and uh go as fast as your car will go or as fast as you can go. It's run on a um highway, uh main two lane highway going north out of Ketchum, Idaho. And um, it's, uh, it, it costs $1,950 to do one run, but it's going to charity. So it's not only that, it's a lot of fun. And, and, and you and see some beautiful, beautiful cars up there.
0: Going really, really fast.
3: Very, um, very fast. Last year, I think the uh, top, in fact, I know it was 246.
0: Wow. What went 246 miles an hour?
3: A Bugatti. <laughs> what was
0: the slowest? Do you remember?
3: Just well, the slowest they had a couple of uh, classic, uh, little classic cars out there, uh, and one I think did ninety-eight miles an hour. Yeah, something could, like that. You know,
0: I could see the guy spending the money just to take his Model T and open it up to see, to yeah, see what it would do. Know, that it, kind of thing. That would be it, neat. And
3: that's the that's the whole thing about it. Yeah. you can you can just. Open it up and go. Right, you know, yeah. and, and where else are you going to do that? Um, so
0: now, Shirley, can I ask you? You're, you know, how old are you?
3: Yesterday was my 82nd birthday.
0: I know my my spies are telling me these things. <laughs> Shirley, you know, you don't you don't sound 82, but I think we had this conversation last year, and I said you don't sound 81. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Well, it, is driving fast cars the secret to your youthfulness and longevity?
3: No, because this will only be the second time I've ever done it. So, i i can't I can't say what is. I think actually, uh, moving to Idaho and living in a nice, quiet, beautiful state.
0: Yeah, Where, where'd you Where'd you move from?
3: Southern California, <laughs> Huntington Beach.
0: <laughs> so, so it was always car culture for you.
3: Uh yeah, we had a lot of uh car culture going on down there yeah. and uh yeah, it it was uh it was great. It was fun. D- D- and we've always had some decent uh interesting cars, you know. Do so.
0: do D- D- you have grandchildren, Shirley?
3: I have three grandchildren and I have one great-grandchild.
0: Do they do they talk to grandma about cars and what cars were do you, I mean, can you explain you were you lived through the 60s? Can you explain this to them as
3: Well, unfortunately, my um one granddaughter lives in Portland, Oregon, my oldest grandson who has my great-grandson live on Maui, and my other granddaughter isn't the least bit interested in cars. Isn't <laughs> so that amazing? There you go.
0: Isn't that amazing? And, you know, it's funny. I just read an article. I was talking about it on air in the segment before I brought you on about how in the future nobody's going to own a car because nobody's going to need to. there'll be Google self-driving cars, and it'll be Uber technology where they just come and pick you up and take you where you want to go and, you know, rent a car for that moment, and cars will just become something that you use on an as-needed basis. Do you you ever see that day as a diehard car person? Uh, Do you ever see that day when... You know, things like this will just be looked back at as, you know, these people were crazy. Why did they have to own a car for to go this fast? Do you think that could happen?
3: Well, it it could probably happen the way things are are going, but because uh, I know they already have cars out will that will drive themselves around. Right. But um, I really don't think it's going to be any time soon. Right. You know. Right. I think it'll. Quite a few years down the road, but it certainly could happen. So I, I think they'd be missing a lot.
0: Well, yeah, um, you know, going back to the race, Shirley. So you're gonna you're gonna run this race tomorrow?
3: No, it's a week from today, okay. the
0: 25th. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're still driving the same Corvette?
3: I'm driving yes, the 2000 C5 Corvette, and um, I had my foot on the floor last year. So we had to do some tweaking to it to uh, get it to go a little faster this year. And they put on um, headers, and they put a, I think it's a larger air intake valve on it. Okay. And they put it on the dyno last Thursday, and she got up to 181.
0: So are you going to take it to 181?
3: Um, You know, that would involve a lot. you, You have weather we're racing at uh over 5000 feet up there in sun valley and uh you have you have you know weather whether it's cold whether it's too hot which way the winds blowing you know but i'm i'm working on from 170 to 175 anyway and if you
0: can do that if you can do that then uh, you'll be happy
3: oh i'd be thrilled yeah, yeah. last year it was 166.3 so it would just be very exciting to hit one seventy five if I can.
0: Hey Shirley, can I ask you what was the first car? what did you learn to drive in?
3: Uh, actually, it was a forty six, nineteen forty six Olds ninety
0: eight. A, a, a stick, right?
3: No, it was uh, automatic. I've there's only been about two or three times in my life that I've driven a a, a stick
0: yeah um do you do you prefer automatic over stick is it just easier for you
3: it's easier for me um hip wise and leg wise and that sort of thing yeah, you know yeah yeah all yeah. that clutching and and stuff it's just hard on my um uh, on my old body <laughs> <laughs> i
0: you know, you know Shirley, you may have an old body but you've got a young heart sweetheart and um <laughs> I, i'm really impressed i've listen i've I've ventured out and uh, I've, I've taken the hot rod out on some uh, on some uh, abandoned roads. We'll say it like that, and I've done one hundred and five, one hundred and ten, and it's it's a little frightening at that speed in a two door fifty five. So I can't I can't imagine doing one hundred and seventy in, in anything, much less a late model Corvette. And uh, it, you know, it, it's it's got to be the thrill of a lifetime. It really is um is there a is there a website that if the listeners want to go and see I, was there a youtube video about this last year or am I imagining that
3: uh, actually um there were there was a video of my run on um the internet you could go to um google yahoo and um uh youtube and put in 81 year old grandmother does 166 miles an hour, and it would bring up and show the run. And then um, on YouTube, uh, my son had put in actually your radio show that I did with you last year. And when I ran, I had three um, pro oh, the cameras, little cameras GoPros, or, GoPros yeah. Go Yeah, yeah on my car. So we had the, those three shots uh, on YouTube also, and that would be under my name, Shirley Vane.
0: Vane, V-E-I-N-E.
3: I mean, so V-E- yes, like a vein in your arm with an E on the end. Right,
0: gotcha. <laughs> hey, Shirley, what size T-shirt are you?
3: What size t-shirt? Large, ladies large.
0: All right, stay on the line. Harry's going to get your address. We're going to send you out one of the first. We've got Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor t-shirts, which we're about to put up on the website. We're going to send one to you, and uh, we want to wish you a happy birthday and good luck next week. So uh, you stay on the line, and Harry will get your information, and he'll get that out to you this week. And uh, you let us know how you make out afterwards. We think this is a really great thing, and I want to say uh, God bless and um, uh, Godspeed. Um, so, always a pleasure. Can you imagine that? 80, 82 years young, we're going to go try and do as fast as we can in a car that'll go 181 miles an hour. I don't know if I can hold it to the floor, and I'm a little bit younger than 82, so, uh, Shirley, you've got some iron in your veins. I'm Ronanini and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. The car doctor phone number is 855-560-9900 let's go over and talk to clifford in long island clifford you're on with the car doctor sir how can i help
4: yes hi ron how are you good um, sir What's you've going helped on? me in the past and sure i was wondering if i can ask you two quick questions sure, about my 2003 camry go ahead the first question is i i have like an exhaust leak and i thought it was like a donut between a you know, flange but i i looked underneath and i think it's it's part of a flex pipe, right? You know, yeah, typically, up...
0: typically it's a flex coupling that goes bad.
4: Now, how is that something that I can replace, no. or is it something I'm going to need torches? And, no, you're going to you know. you're
0: going to you're going to do that one of two ways. You're going to replace the pipe, which it depending upon what version of Toyota Camry this is, what flavor of emission controls, it's going to have a catalytic converter built into it, possibly, and you're going to have to replace that pipe with the cat which can be expensive. It'll be in the you know nine to $1,200 range. Now, you may find an exhaust shop, somebody that's set up with torches, and they have flex couplings that'll fit various diameter pipes, can weld one in, just the coupling itself. The question you've got to ask yourself on a 13-year-old car with 85,000 miles on it, do you want to go through that? Or do you want to just replace the cat now and get it over with? And I'm not saying the cat's going to go bad tomorrow. They typically have a lifespan of 110, 130,000 miles, depending upon how they've been maintained. But you've got to think somewhere in the next two years, you'll probably end up putting a cat on this anyway. So, you know, it becomes a, a, a coin toss there from a budget perspective, how you want to approach it. So, but that's not something you, the average, you know, individual, unless you can weld, you know, torches, you know, sawzalls, etc. And, uh, okay. can repair okay second yeah. question
4: uh the second one is uh again it's got the, it's got eighty five thousand miles on it and i noticed when the car sits a couple of days i started up and smoke you know like burnt oil comes out of the tailpipe i okay. think it's probably valve seals right because it's it's sitting you know i mean it's a 12 year old car right is um and they recommend 530 oil right can i go to a heavyweight oil
0: i would go to i would stay do you have 530 in it now cliff Yes. then you're probably right where you want to be. The fact is that a lot of vehicles in the last 15 years, the days of going to a heavier viscosity oil, doesn't necessarily apply anymore. You can try it. I doubt that it's going to work. The rationale is that the tension on rings, oil, oil control among them being the most important, the tension on the rings themselves has been lowered to the point that they're trying to get more performance, more fuel economy, less drag, that type of thing that engines today and a lot of vehicles are having problems with oil control. I think on an 03 Camry with 85,000 miles on it, I believe you're correct, it is most likely valve stem seals. That is the most common point of failure. Now, to that point, if it is burning oil, now the question you've got to ask yourself, go back to the first question, the exhaust flex pipe. Do we want to just repair the flex pipe or do we want to put a catalytic converter in it because that oil has now coated the cat and i'm sure about let's see if murphy's law is still ringing true in the land i'm sure about 3 weeks after you get done welding in that flex pipe coupling the p0420 is going to pop up on the check engine light and you're going to go gee i should have i should have replaced the whole thing um, you, you know it's a it's it's a question of longevity listen i think the couple of questions you've got to ask yourself here is a you know, how do I control the oil consumption? Do you take it in and have them do valve stem seals? Not a totally uncommon repair. At least then if you can control the oil, then put the catalytic converter on it and then plan to drive the car another four to six years because I think at this stage and age of its life, it's all about what sort of longevity are you going to get out of any of the repairs. And, I know. you know, I, I it, it's a tough spot to be in. The problem is the cars last so long today, we think of them as new, right? You bought this car new, Cliff?
4: Actually, it was my mom's car,
0: yeah. Okay. So, you know, mom bought this car new. Now it's yours. And I'm, I'm sure maybe there's a little sentimental attachment to it. But, you know, it's listen, my 08 Chevy plow truck to me is a new truck. It's it's eight years old. Uh, we were talking about it this week in the shop. It's got 25,000 miles on it, and it's taking a beating from the rust. Uh, you know, it's creating rust from the salt, and it's always out in the weather. Uh, gee, do you replace the truck or start replacing parts? And, uh, you know, it's not new anymore. It's, it's eight years old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the perspective. By the way, Cliff, just so that you know, starting next week, we're going to be back live in the New York market, WRCR, and uh, you can get us on AM 1700, Saturdays 2 to 4, so uh, you'll be able to pick up the show live again. No more podcasting for you. All right, I'm sir? I'm
4: looking forward to it. All right, All right, Cliff. Thank you for your help.
0: You're very welcome, Thanks. sir. Good luck to you. Very good. Um, thank you for the call. Yeah, that's, um, uh, you know, the reason he sees the blue smoke is because when you first start the car, The catalytic converter isn't lit off, and once the cat builds up some heat and lights off, it can then put the oil, as it passes through, through a chemical change and oxidize it down and and do the internal burn off and contain it within and reduce the amount of smoke that comes out the pipe. So, you know, to repair that, you're repairing something that's broken. Um, you know, it's it's not that simple of a question with a very simple answer. So, speaking of answers, and let's see if we can give make this a simple one. Let's go over and talk to Charles from Alpine, New Jersey, with some questions about battery acid. Charles, you're on with the car yes, doctor. This sir. Yes, this is a sir. very
5: simple uh, question, and I'm sure you're going to be able to handle it. And sure. Uh, incidentally, you gave us a uh, a good steer in the wrong dire- in the right direction, I should say, um, some years ago. Okay. Anyway, about three years ago, I purchased uh, ten. Um, Garden tractor-sized batteries. They were empty. They never had uh, acid in them. Right. And uh, so I just uh, developed a need for them. Uh, they. So I I put the acid in one of them and uh, charged it. It went up. I took it up to uh, let's say 13 volts, and it held the charge for um, pretty much uh, the better part of two weeks. Uh, but I, I felt that it just wasn't giving me enough uh, for my use, and I wondered. I put battery acid in it that I bought also about 10 years ago, and I wondered if battery acid has a, a shelf life that uh, makes it a little bit deteriorated and not give me the life that I'm looking for.
0: Yes, battery acid does have a shelf life. Um, you know, if if you had said to me that the battery acid was like the batteries two years old, I would tell you you're fine. You, you'll typically see three to five years out of acid because after that, then the electrolytes start to separate and, and, and fall out of um, uh, their togetherness <laughs> you know the longer they're married their togetherness kind of falls apart I guess is maybe a safe way to put it so you know the best thing you could try is as a science experiment I don't know the exact number I'm not a chemist as to when acid falls apart but I do remember from my days in the auto parts store any acid that was older than four years and this goes back 30 years ago, 35 years ago, um, you know, would be sent back to the manufacturer for disposal. So I've always kept in the back of my head three to five years as battery acid shelf life. You could just go out and purchase some fresh acid, put it in the battery. If the battery has never had liquid in it, then theoretically, you know, it's had some shelf deterioration, but it's not anything inside, and the battery should work just fine as the day it was manufactured. It just needs fresh acid. Does that yeah, make that's sense? That's I was hoping for. Yeah. i
5: talked to a number of people, including people that make batteries, and, uh, no, that'll last forever. Don't worry about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, no, I disagree. I, everything has a shelf life. You know, even right. e- all chemicals, even motor oil, people exactly. call all the time. And, you know, the problem yeah. with motor oil sitting on a shelf is, number one, the chemicals fall out of suspension, and number two, you know, you have motor oil on the shelf from five years ago. It's a different API and SAE rating, and it doesn't Absolutely. necessarily meet the newer vehicle, uh, you know, so a lot of these things can't be can't be stockpiled like that. No, um, true, so, exactly. but You know, try some fresh acid with the older battery, and I, I'm willing to bet that you'll come out okay.
5: All right, Charles? Sounds, sounds good. Thank you very much. Right, I appreciate it. You're very welcome.
0: Again. You're very welcome, sir. You take good care. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Call now. Get in. Let's talk about your car and its problem. Keep in mind you're looking for more information, cardoctorshow.com, and you'll find a list of affiliates there via the link at tunein.com. Let's go over and talk to Scott Everett, Pennsylvania, 99 Jeep Cherokee, and some questions. Scott, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
6: Good afternoon. It's a true pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thank you, sir. What can I do for you?
6: All right. Um, I currently per- or recently purchased a 1999 Jeep Cherokee Sport. Okay. Just plain old Cherokee. Um, it has a couple issues that go along with it, but it's got a really good drive. Some rust. Right. I have the opportunity to purchase. It's a 1997 Jeep Cherokee, but various people have told me that there's differences between the drivetrain and other small differences that would make it difficult to do the swap to make one jeep out of the two of them
0: what are you looking to swap like what's missing from one are the engines the same scott just how similar or dissimilar vehicles other than model year are these
6: they're, they're pretty similar both of them are 4 inline six cylinders right. uh, both of them are four-wheel drive uh the 197 has a blown-up motor it's beyond repair it actually has a cracked block right drive line in the 99 is excellent low mileage starts on the first try. doesn't burn any oil, no noises, taps, knocks, or anything else.
0: Okay, and what are you looking to to swap? Go ahead. I was going to say, what are you looking to swap?
6: I'm looking to swap the engine, the four-wheel drive, and probably the transfer case out of the 99 into the 97, plus various interior parts, which I'm not really concerned about. I was just worried. I was told that the, the oil pickup and various cross members were different between the couple of years.
0: What I would do is I would take the VIN from both vehicles, and yeah. and and it's difficult. You know, back in the day when dirt was invented and I was a youngster, uh, we would do engine swaps, and it was fairly simple. Everything fit everything. But oh, now sure. now things can change six weeks apart, six months apart, or six years apart. So what I would do in this case, since you've got the, you can get the VIN from the '97. I would take the VIN off the '97, take the VIN from the '99, go down to the local Chrysler store, and I would reference oil pan, oil pump pickup, and start going through okay. the list of indi- individual sensors. Do they match? Are they the same? And if they're different, what's different about them? At least then you'll have, got, you'll, you'll have an exact science or an exact way to determine: does this have a chance? As okay. as far as the transfer cases and the transmission, I think that's going to be best there. If you go down to your local salvage yard, they'll have an interchange guide, and they'll tell you if they were selling it to you what they would sell you, what works and what doesn't. Or you can that's go look online. Idea. There's a, but, there's a couple of websites online if you wanted to type in, um, oh, type in '97 Jeep Cherokee used transfer case, and you'll get a list of a hundred websites that are selling used parts online, salvage yards, they'll give you an interchange guide there. You can type in a 99 Jeep or a 97 Jeep and see if both both parts come up the same for two different vehicles and attack it like that.
6: I That's think, a great idea. You can't buy all the various parts at Seven Eleven like you used to be able no, to do. No,
0: <laughs> not at all. And, and, and I think what you're trying to do will work. I, I think it might take a little tweaking, but the 4.0, the basic 4-liter engine, I don't believe changed that much. Some of the bolt-on components, and I would also be concerned about is the flywheel from one versus the other the same, and is the harmonic balancer the same? Beyond that, and, and the reason I say that is engine balance and and uh, the crank sensor. Um, but beyond yeah. beyond that, Scott, I think it's the same puppy, and I think That's kind I,
1: of what. Oh, yes. I, I, yeah,
0: I kind of think with a little bit of tweaking, um, I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna work. So try that. If you need me during the week, the clock's gonna take me. If you need me during the week, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com, and I'll be glad to assist you any which way I can. Thanks for the call, Scott. I appreciate it. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. photos about this past hour like this Whew, where'd this hour go let's all uh, real quick let's go over and grab one more call austin hallworth new jersey 98 grand Marquis. austin you're on with the car doctor how can i help
1: oh uh, hi ron yep 98 mercury grand Marquis, eighty-three thousand miles an intermittent electrical problem started about a month ago I was in a garage in manhattan for about eight hours parked came back completely dead Um, managed to get it jump started, Uh, put a new battery in at that point. It was fine for about two weeks. Same thing happened, same garage. Got it to my mechanic, who said that was a problem with the alternator. Okay. Placed the alternator. Last time, 10 minutes in a parking lot, um, same deal. I come back, it had been running fine, completely dead and at this point you turn the key and there isn't even uh okay so it's it's
0: it's, it's got a really harsh battery drain right
1: yeah so
0: um just a couple of things just some things to remember because the clock will grab me is it blowing any fuses fuse 13 fuse 4 so fuses are all good all right the the two most common points of battery drain three actually there's three common areas they have issues around the steering column where That's they're it. where they're creating issues, and also the lighting control module on these mm-hmm. cars are known. Some of these were under recall from Ford, and you may have gotten a letter. You should probably take the VIN, go down to the local Ford store, and ask them to run the VIN. Are there any okay. open recalls on that vehicle? Because if they come back and say, yeah, if this car is equipped, if it's yeah. equipped with a lighting control module, that is the first step or the first thing I would go looking for. Um, That's number one, number two, number three. Does this car have keyless entry?
1: No. Uh, It it has the uh, buttons.
0: Yeah, the buttons. It has the keyless entry pads. Um, You'll you'll be amazed. It'll create enough of a drain. What happens is they get older, and the moisture gets inside and shorts out across the contacts, and you won't see it. And it keeps the security monitor alive. It thinks somebody keeps trying to get into the car, and it'll drain yeah. the battery down. So those are a known problem. So those three areas need to be looked at. And, and obviously, you know, the old standby. Uh, put an ammeter in series and start to pull fuses one by one. Where's the drain? Where does the drain go away? And then at least you know what circuit you're attacking. Um, I would go back to your mechanic and kind of ask him, why would we go for an alternator? Was it not charging? But um, you know, diagnosis has to be performed before we start changing any more parts. Austin, good luck to you. I'm here if you need me. I'm Ron Anini and the car doctor. See you next week New York. Remember the mechanics aren't expensive. they're priceless. See ya.